Broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. couple weeks. And in New Hampshire, it's all about results. So if you're results driven, you want that efficiency in government, here's the path, not just to get the Republican Party unified again, but the entire country, give them a strong next generation of conservative leadership that everybody can get behind. And and that path, according to New Hampshire Governor um, Chris Sununu, is Nikki Haley. That was part of his endorsement of her, which came in yesterday. Um, she is also picking up in the polls. She is gaining on Trump, at least in that state. Uh, the latest CBS News and YouGov poll for New Hampshire says she is consolidating much of the non-Trump vote. Uh, GOP primary voters, 29% of those likely GOP primary voters are saying they would vote for Nikki Haley, which is still well behind Trump. Casey? But isn't it refreshing? I wasn't sure we would ever hear Republican voters, Republican primary voters saying they would consider a woman for president, even in my lifetime. Um, so I, I'm excited to hear that a lot of folks are starting to shift toward Nikki Haley. I am too. And you said you've been a longtime fan. You have a sweatshirt, an old sweatshirt of hers. I do, I do. I've got her book. I've got a sweatshirt um, where she sat in a committee hearing. With all due respect, I don't get confused. <laughs> I love Which, it. Great quote. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, if you watch the trajectory of her campaign and then of DeSantis's, it's kind of a tale of two different stories because, you know, DeSantis started off very strong and he's really waning according um, to this poll in New Hampshire. I think he's only at, I think it was 11%. Um, for Governor DeSantis, and that is 10% are with Chris Christie, so that tells you Yikes. where he's at. But I remember going to CPAC this year and being most excited to see Nikki Haley speak and um, was honestly underwhelmed and kind of disappointed because I, I had such high expectations and even was disappointed by kind of the crowd reaction to her. Um, but I think she's performed really strongly in the debates and has really gained a lot of momentum here lately. And, I mean, that's the only chance anyone has is if they do consolidate the non-Trump vote. But still, there is, I mean, no one's going to catch Trump, are they? Well, I, it'll be interesting to see with the Never Back Down pack, the pack that was supporting uh, Governor DeSantis kind of being shuffled or dismantled uh, over the weekend. Will there be money being spent attacking Nikki Haley for the next several weeks? Will she have a chance to surge and get closer to Trump's numbers? Um, I think a lot of those are valid questions that we'll just have to wait and see the answer to. And I think her other strength, though, has really been she has stepped in it a couple of times. I mean, she's had some she's said some things, Hannah. Oh, man, the social media thing still gets me fired up a little bit. It was where she basically was saying that like anonymity on social media would not be allowed and all users had to be verified by their identity on social media and a lot of folks were pointing out that that kind of goes against the first amendment a little bit of censorship there but to see her basically recover and still be gaining momentum after a couple of missteps and kind of course correct on some of her positions i think speaks to her strength in the race yeah and i'm not familiar with who her team is that she's that she's working with or has surrounding her but i think they must be very talented operatives to be able to help with comms disasters essentially like that and help <laughs> her course correct i mean not too long ago she she gave a quote uh, that could be interpreted as her being pro-choice. Um, and I think we've seen the headlines die down significantly from that. 
I, I think you're right. And I think um, and I think she's resonating with a lot of folks. I think she is more moderate than some of the other candidates in the field. But I feel like there are a lot of people who are more moderate and agree with her on some of those positions. But that's not exactly the place you want to be in the Republican primary. That's true. It's a fine line to walk. How can you win a Republican primary, but then pivot to win a general election and beat an incumbent president? It is incredibly tricky and takes a very talented team and a very savvy politician to be able to accomplish that. Now, Brandon disagrees on the text line. He says she's Dick Cheney in high heels, which I think isn't that a (laughs) a Ramaswamy. I think that's a Vivek Ramaswamy line. Um, and we're getting a lot of texts in about our uh, interview with Mark Alford. If you missed that, you're going to be able to catch it on the podcast uh, later. So we hope you do that. Um, a lot of people showing support. And especially I think it's so important with Mark Alford doing all the work he's doing with veterans. Now, John, are you super excited for the Cotton Bowl coming up? Do sure. We, do we? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> you're going to be stuck here with us, though. You're not going to Dallas, are you? No, I think I'm. I think I'm right here with you guys. But uh, Ohio State, what was the last line on it? Six and a half point favorites or something like that. I don't know. I think like uh, Coach Pete Atkins, the legendary Jefferson City football coach, told us he thinks the Tigers have got uh, Ohio State's number. Well, you see, as we have not legalized sports betting in the state of Missouri yet, I'm I'm not sure what what the line is there. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Careful. I I was hoping to bring up uh, the Cotton Bowl before Miss Millie Fawn got to school today and see if she's still working on uh, talking her dad into a trip to Dallas or not. But since we're on the topic, I thought we'd talk through some of the best things to do in Dallas for those of you who are going to the Cotton Bowl. That's a good idea. And it's such it's so nice. Um, and I'm trying I know the uh, airport is working on a new master plan. They've got a survey out and we're working on getting Mike Parks on the show to talk about that master plan. But it is one of the direct flights out of COU. So that happens to be very convenient for our Mizzou Tiger fans. Steph, isn't it always the Dallas airport that you get stuck in? I get stuck in inevitably. all of the airports. <laughs> Although I would say if I had to, like, you know, give you a percentage it's still pretty high that I get to the places that I need to get. Might be a little bit late. Casey, have you been stuck in Dallas before? <laughs> when you travel as much as Stephanie does, you are bound to get stuck in an airport or two. But you she know, always has the best like travel stories. You know, there was the time that a dog was in her seat. And twice. She, oh, twice? Yes. You know, a she had to move seats because the dog a needed dog her seat. Yeah. And yeah. Stephanie loves dogs anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she was more than happy to change seats. No, <laughs> not even a little bit. Uh, it's happened to me twice, and I really feel like it's unfair. Um, but I need these tips, too, because as much as I fly through Dallas, I don't. I haven't spent a lot of time there. It's actually on my list. I've heard the food scene is amazing, but like for, for those folks who are traveling to the Cotton Bowl, what else should they put on their itinerary? So I would. this is not number one on a lot of the the list online, but I would pick the George W. Bush Presidential Library and oh. Museum as number one on your must-see-or-do list. I went, Really? That's number one? It's my number one, but look, oh, I'm, I'm a political nerd, nerd so... <laughs> I went uh, in December about five years ago, I think, and that was my favorite attraction. I did go to Dealey Plaza where JFK was assassinated and did that tour. um, And I personally found it a little underwhelming, if we're being honest. John, have you spent any time in Dallas? I went to the sixth floor museum back in the day in Dallas, too, and it was kind of kind of creepy, but kind of underwhelming as well. Well, Yeah, I thought I would 
feel something there or like it, I, I just expected more out of it. I don't know. Okay, so on the top of your list then would be the presidential library. I know I bet that's on the top of Houseworth's list too, but presidential libraries are so interesting. I think that is a great one. Um if you have any suggestions for our friends visiting Dallas, you can text us at five seven three eight seven four ninety three ninety. Anything else on your list, Casey? Uh the Dallas Botanical Gardens. Ooh. I bet they have a beautiful oh, wow, yeah. Christmas display that will still be up on the twenty ninth for the cotton bowl. So I, I'm not certain about that, but I definitely <laughs> Check it out. Well, and then uh, for those of you celebrating at home, is anyone going to be? I mean, I assume everyone's having a gathering, doing some fun cheering for Mizzou. You can probably count us in on that one if Millie hasn't <laughs> talked her dad into a trip to Dallas. And Our buddy Brad Jones from NFIB said he was getting the whole family together to do a do a watch party for the Cotton Bowl combination Christmas, which I thought was kind of a neat idea. It's so cool. And I mean, just to just to watch the Tigers' evolution over the season, to be so, uh, I guess, underwhelmed at the beginning of the season, to now being in the Cotton Bowl, having a great bowl game, getting excited. And I know, John, people are also really excited about next season. Not only the schedule, but the recruiting classes are doing really well. Are you as excited as everyone seems to be on Twitter? Well, for sure. We've got our $6 million man at the helm, Coach Drink, getting his big pay raise and all. And I know he's talked a lot about recruiting. And, man, when you got a winning program, that makes that much that much simpler. Well, and looking at these four- and five-star recruits that are starting to sign on, it's hard not to feel like there's a big momentum wheel that's about to start turning for Mizzou football. And that's what I'm excited about is seeing, you know, we've had one good season here. Let's see what comes next. Yeah, and I guess with the curator's vote last week, uh, with additional improvements to the stadium, I think it's really exciting. And, of course, we've seen really huge impacts here on our local community with all of the activity at Mizzou. And so I'm glad to see that. Now if we can just get the basketball team, you know, on the same same trajectory, they've had kind of a rough... Uh, it's rough, still early. Rough still go early. of it so far, but I'm really... That's nice. I like basketball so much more than I like football. I might be in the minority, but I just, I love it. I was a longtime cheerleader, and I enjoy basketball too. I don't avidly watch it or keep up with it, but I like how quick, how fast paced the games are, and I think it's really entertaining. It's energetic to be in the crowd at a fast paced men's basketball game. Big one for the Tigers Friday night, bragging rights game with the Illini in St. Louis. Awesome. Well, we will be tuning into that as well as the bowl game. Send us your suggestions for Dallas if you haven't already. And coming up next, we're going to do the morning bell. If you haven't finished your Christmas shopping yet, I've got an idea for you. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Freedom of speech, practiced here daily and perfected on the podcast. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. is 8.23, time for the morning bell. Oh, so you're on time, if not early, for your segment, Stephanie. I see how it is. Hey, it was Scott's fault. I'm not bitter. We just blame everything on on Scott and my world. Do you want to talk? I'll give you a couple more minutes to talk about skunky beer. (laughs) It 
was blue cheese. <laughs> Skunky beer. All right. Uh, the stock market has been really hot lately, and it's looking like it's back in the green. This morning, uh, Dow, S&P, and NASDAQ futures are all in the green as the market is set to open here in just a few minutes. Now, if you have not completed your Christmas shopping, I've got an idea for you. Um, this could be a good gift for a friend, an expensive gift, or a family member. Um, but I was shocked at the amount of money that Costco has sold um, of this item in uh, so far this year. Now, why is it that Midmo doesn't have a Costco yet? Is it because we're dominated by the Walmart Sam's people? Probably. I don't know. I love a I'm, good Sam's, but I know my St. Louis people are all about Costco. You know, I lived in Jeff City for so many years. I grew up in, in rural Missouri, so I'm still a Sam's Club diehard, despite spending the last three years in St. Louis. Same. I love a good Sam's Club, but I'd never seen this on the list at Sam's Club. Apparently, Costco sold $100 million worth of gold bars uh, last quarter. What? Yeah, Costco selling gold. Which is, is that where you would normally think that you would go to get your gold bars, John? I bet it's a good deal, though. <laughs> I mean, I not that I million dollars in gold bars from Costco. Not that I really spend a lot of time thinking about where I can purchase gold bars. Well, it's less expensive than I think I thought they would be. So they they sell them in one ounce gold bars. Uh, they sold a hundred million dollars in just one quarter. Um, a one ounce of gold right now, the market price is $2,036. So who is like going to the Costco website and buying these? They actually had to put a limit on them. You can only get two. So Congressman, can, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And, and sewing them into their jackets. If they're that small, I think you could hide them pretty well. But, uh, yeah. So you can only get two. And they said they basically get these things. They put them on the website and they're sold out within a couple of hours. That's so you so can, bizarre. You can order it online also. You don't have to like go to a store and purchase your gold in person. I would not want that shipped to my house. Well, that's because you keep getting your address wrong, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. You go over to your old, your old apartment just to get your gold bar shipment, right? Yeah, stalk the mailman and the UPS man so and I, I get there on time. And I'm constantly shocked at what you have to sign for and what you don't, right? Like, now Apple products, they'll just leave it on your porch. It can be like a new MacBook or whatever, and I'm thinking... This is terrifying. And then sometimes I'll order something that's like $50 and I show up and they're like, we couldn't deliver this because you weren't here to sign for it. And I'm thinking, just leave it. It's worth nothing. So because I own a small business, my Amazon account is a business account by default, not because I chose it to be that way. So they keep my settings keep getting messed up to where they want me to physically sign for every shipment. I mean, we're talking toilet paper. (laughs) And I'm like, please, I just leave it. I'm not home. Yeah, I I don't understand the rules there. If someone has a good idea, I I would be interested in knowing why. But I'm assuming these gold bars when you order them online and they come delivered to your house. Uh, that you probably have to sign for them. Well, has, has anyone ever been burned before by non-discreet packaging? <laughs> now, I mean, well, okay, that sounds bad. The item I'm talking about was a <laughs> Christmas present, and it was like some Under Armour clothes. And uh, thankfully, I get home in the afternoon before my husband because they came in a clear bag. A clear bag? A clear bag! With the Under Armour logo on it, and they just slapped the shipping label on this clear bag. We have ordered so much stuff that, 
it it's always a race to see who's going to intervene first. Is it me or Scott? Because we haven't had things ship in clear packages, but like the the brand you ordered from yeah. will be plastered all over everything. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I know that was from my Christmas list. Like, right. And the kids the kids items are especially bad because a lot of times they'll come in really huge packages. And I know like a lot of times we'll just put a giant picture of whatever it is on the outside of the box, and you're like, clearly I would not want that. And you know, and then also for your porch pirates it's like okay don't take my stuff you really don't want a giant barbie house do you <laughs> no I but I, d- I didn't I want my wedding photos thank you very much <laughs> you had to go steal those off of somebody's porch didn't you uh yes it was an apartment that i used to live at how many years ago uh multiple years ago <laughs> <laughs> uh I, I was ordering on an app that i had not used very f- often obviously uh, the last time I had used that app, I did the same exact thing with our wedding invitations and shipped those to the wrong address as well. So. And I would say this is a good reminder that if you're trying to shop discreetly, you can always shop at a local business in person and then it won't give away whatever uh, you are trying to do. Except if you're Hannah, because one of my favorite stories of Hannah was her now husband could check her. <laughs> could We won't say where you were, Hannah, but <laughs> no. he he could check her location <laughs> And happened to, me. happened to check in on Hannah uh, during the holiday season and was like, hmm, I know exactly where she is and I know exactly what she's buying. Yep. He so, was doing his, doing his best <laughs> Santa Claus. He knows when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake. Yeah. He was checking in on you. All right. Let's get back to our money in politics discussion at some point this morning. But also, we have to get back onto our educational freedom talk. We've got Representative Doug Ritchie coming up at 835. He he has the leading educational freedom bill uh, in the House this session. There's been a lot of talk on Twitter. Uh, you're going to want to stick around for Representative Doug Ritchie up next. Get an exclusive look behind the scenes of the show by watching on YouTube. Search Wake Up Mid-Missouri. This is Stephanie Bell. You're listening to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I am joined by guest co-host Casey Burns. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. And we've got producer Hannah, who seems like she's feeling much better already. We are here. Yay. <laughs> and and we've also got John Marsh with us. Good morning. Now we're getting some texts in 573-874-9390 of recommendations if you are headed to the Cotton Bowl. Uh, let's see. Rob says the food scene at Fort Worth Stockyards is fire. So add that one to your list. Also, Doug says if you're not afraid of heights, you've got to go up the Reunion Tower. So uh, we're wishing the Tigers good luck. And I know we'll, a lot of us will be cheering for them. And some of you are already making your list as you uh, make your way to Dallas uh, or start making your plans for your Dallas trip. All right. Now, coming up here, we have Representative Doug Ritchie. Now, um, he is from, let's see, the KC area, Excelsior Springs. I would say, yeah, suburban, rural KC area, uh, Clay County. All right. Thanks for that, Casey. And um, it, your bill, uh, Representative Ritchie, has really been the hottest topic on Twitter over the last week, a lot with the Missouri Freedom Caucus starting up. Um, folks have been inquiring, are they for educational freedom? And it seems like your bill has kind of been at the center of that debate. I really want to dig down into it. As we heard from uh, Scott Fawn earlier today, everyone's kind of for or most people are for educational freedom, but really then when you get down into the details, there is some disagreement. So talk to us a little bit about this bill, House Bill number 1911. Yes, 
thank you for the opportunity. It's uh, it's always a great time to be able to talk about ed- educational freedom, right? So, uh, yeah, uh, House Bill 1911, uh, it creates the Missouri Parental Choice Tax Credit Act. And what that does is it provides a refundable tax credit to parents who uh, make a, ch- a choice to have their uh, children enrolled in a, uh, a form of education outside of the public school district in their area. And uh, the expenses related to, to the education for their children would then be uh, qual- would, would then qualify for this uh, tax credit. So it's a way of making it um, easier for families that you know are increasingly finding their income stretched thinner and thinner because of inflation uh, to be able to to make choices that would benefit their their children. Now, I'm looking at the list in the bill for qualified schools. So this would include private schools, private virtual schools, parochial schools. Um, So what do you say to those folks who say, well, you know, if you're going to give state dollars to somebody to go to these other schools, you're going to ruin public education? Well, I think that for me, I I find it interesting people that um, immediately jump to that. Uh, it's almost as if their perspective is, is is being betrayed. They they're actually letting people know they have a very low view of public school districts because they assume immediately that you're going to have the vast majority of parents pull their kids from the public school district. Um, we we all know that we have great schools that function uh, throughout Missouri. Uh, I don't I don't believe that the vast majority of parents are going to uh, create this massive exodus from the public school system. Uh, I know that there are a lot of families that will make that choice, but um, does this crush uh, public schools? No, it doesn't in any other state where things like this have been done for a while. Uh, But what it does accomplish uh, is communicate to parents that we trust them and that we recognize that while the government is siphoning off uh, money from their pay to prop up a system, that in many areas of the state uh, are producing lackluster results. Uh, While we're taking money from them, um, we recognize the importance of putting that money back into their hands to help cover the cost of quality education. Representative Ritchie, do you think COVID was sort of a big catapult into a lot of the education reform arguments and policies we're seeing today? I mean, I know myself, when I was working a competitive campaign that cycle, knocking on voters' doors, I was talking to parents that were working from home, having to school their children from home, and still paying their their personal property taxes to that school district also. Do you think that was kind of a a big uh, turning point for, for change in education policy? I think it, it, it plays a, a significant role, uh, to be sure. But for years, we've all been talking about uh, poor outcomes. Uh, you know, when in Missouri, uh, depending on what subject you're focusing on, uh, upwards of a third of our, our public education uh, students uh, are only performing at a level of being proficient in math or reading or what have you, right? So we've been talking for years about uh, poor performance. Now you've got what COVID uh, created was a scenario where parents became uh, directly engaged and began to see a lot of the, the problematic content that was being taught by schools. And then they were, they were met with the kind of resistance uh, from administrators and in some cases school boards that were unwilling to even acknowledge the reality of the problem. Uh, there are just a lot of frustrations out there. But at the end of the day, 
education is critical. We have to have people that are being educated well in order for our society to function properly as a democratic republic. So we have to make sure that we are leaning into anything that we can do that will help to produce quality uh, education. And right now, uh, we're not doing that within the public school system in in many areas of the state, and uh, parents need relief. And again, it goes back to, I mean, we're taking money from those families to pay for a system that is not producing. So it's only right for us to say, if you want to do something different, we will, we will put that money back in your hands up to the state adequacy target to help cover the cost of, of uh, your child's education. Talk to us about how this weighs in with most scholars that's on the books right now with a thousand or so vouchers that were handed out to kids who who had other options out there maybe to go to religious affiliated schools. The school voucher debate at the Capitol is nothing new. Right, yeah, so the ESA program that, that's functioning currently, uh, it's still relatively new. Um, I don't, so it really works hand in hand because whereas this tax credit uh, program would be a reimbursement methodology, right? So the parents would spend the money up front, the next year they would then receive a tax credit to help offset. Uh, what uh, some families face is the inability to even pay for those expenses on the front end, right? And that's where those scholarship accounts can be very helpful uh, to to make sure that no matter where you uh, find yourself socioeconomically, uh, you have many tools in the toolbox to help make sure that your child is able to be educated properly. And with respect to the ESA, my understanding was uh, on who would qualify, it was pretty limited. Although, you know, I can appreciate it was kind of the first step in moving toward educational freedom. With your bill, these tax credits, would they be available to all families? Yes, they would be. Yeah, so Senator Koenig and I, we, we are the co-chairs for the Joint Education Committee, and we've been talking for a number of months now about uh, working together to, one, reform the ESA program to expand the opportunity for families in the state of Missouri, uh, as well as a tax credit program like this, which actually is modeled after the Oklahoma legislation. Um, and then we've all, we're also working together on the Parents' Bill of Rights and, and things of that nature. So, yeah, there's, there are a number of needed reforms. Uh, this tax credit uh, bill isn't the only one. But uh, they're all important, and they all play a, a role. And this might be a bad analogy, but I'm going to try to get there. So, like, I see the educational establishment in, in the um, in past, and they're kind of like the Donald Trump, right? And then our our educational freedom folks are everybody else in the 2024 race. You've got your Nikki Haley's, your Vivek Ramaswamy's, everybody else, and they're all in these kind of little silos. So you've got your your tax credit program, which might have 10 percent support. Maybe it's got more than that. And then you've got your charter school people, because your bill doesn't expand charter schools. But for years, there's been a bill that says, hey, maybe we should allow charter schools outside of just St. Louis and Kansas City. Um, you've got people who probably want to expand the ESA program. But unless we get the non-Trump people all on the same page, it, it's really hard to over- overcome that educational establishment. So, you know, have you been talking to the charter school folks? Do you, you know, do you think there's enough support around this idea to to get something done? Done because you know, and, and I agree with Scott Fawn, who we talked to earlier 
who said, yeah, everyone, you know, in principle agrees with initiative petition reform. But once you get down into the details, everyone kind of silos off and there's not enough support around one idea to go forward. And I really do think that's where we've been on these educational issues. Is there going to be a push behind one of these ideas this year? And you think you got the support to do this? Sure. Yeah, so um, we have a charter expansion bill. Uh, it's ready to be pre-filed. I'm just, I'm just not in Jeff City right now to do it. So either it'll be next week, I believe, I'll be back over to get that pre-filed. Uh, it, it's, it, what you're identifying is true. Uh, there are a number of reforms that are necessary. I've been talking for years about the need to go in and reform DESE itself. I mean, it's suffering from mission creep. We have billions of dollars within their budget that has nothing to do with education. So you have to continue to work on reforming DESE. You have to continue to work on uh, the needs for um, preventing the politicization of the classroom, right? Uh, So those two components. Uh, Charter expansion is important because it's another way for families to receive an opportunity for education that is free, public education, uh, outside of Kansas City and St. Louis, the ESA program needs to be um, uh, fixed, um, and then this here. So it's a multifaceted effort. It all is important, and um, you know I do hope that we can put together a coalition of uh, of uh, legislators that all believe in each of those to where we can get something accomplished this year. Representative Richie, I think anyone who's watched <clears throat> the MoLudge hashtag on Twitter over the weekend has seen a variety of different factions from within the Missouri Republican Party come together and talk about your bill and, and bolster support for it. That being said, and, and Senator Andrew Koenig is carrying the companion bill in the Senate, is my understanding. Um, that being said, do you expect this to get across the finish line early in session? Do you expect it to be able to make it through the Senate. Give me your predictions and how optimistic you are on seeing some substantive education reform policy um, hit the governor's desk by May. I, I am hopeful, but I also know the reality well enough to know that it is going to be a hard fought battle. These types of reforms um, scare folks and um, often that fear is generated by the pressure they get from the educational establishment, whether you're talking about the superintendents back home uh, or, you know, the Missouri NEA or or whomever, right? So we do have individuals in both chambers that are uh, longstanding anti-reform folks. And you have to find a way to either, one, win them over, which I don't think anyone expects to happen, uh, or you have to find a way to work around them. And that's the that's the job of legislators. And I'm I'm hopeful. But the reality would be that this continues to uh, to be a uh, a focused fight for years to come, quite frankly. I mean, I, I've been in now for almost six years and the entire time I've been in the legislature, we've been fighting this fight. And that fight has been fought uh, for, you know, a decade and a half before I even arrived. Right. So. It's, it's a hard-fought battle, but one I know a lot of folks in mid-Missouri are appreciative of all of your work in this area. So we appreciate you joining us today, and certainly as this debate heats up, we look forward to talking with you again. Thank you very much. All right, coming up next, all of those leftover items in the fridge, things that we didn't get to, leftovers is up next.
This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Saying whatever we want. Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Shining star upon the highest Okay, it was every bit as good as you said. <laughs> On Saturday Night Live. And yeah, I know it's a live performance. A live performance. And I am not a, a fan right now. I think SNL is super unfunny. Um, but she had some really great sketches with Kate McKinnon. Um, and they were both, like, it was where they broke character because they were both giggling so much. There was one with cats. It was great. Um, and I only see, I don't watch it. I only see it, like, as it comes up on social media. But this came through my feed. And when I, like, I used to think of Billie Eilish, I don't know, as, like, a goth, black hair, like, colored hair, punk person. And a lot of her music, Hannah, was, like, uh, what, dubbed or, like, the... Yeah, I mean, a lot of her earlier stuff that she became popular for was pretty edited, kind of had a little bit of that, I would, not dubstep, but that heavy beat to it Mm -hmm. and she's kind of transitioned a little bit and she's showing off her vocal skills a lot more these days and she's one of the more underrated you know vocalists out there right now i would say i saw this performance of have yourself a a merry little christmas which she did live on snl and it is beautiful i hope i don't know if she's going to release it or not but it is one of the best versions of this and her voice is so amazing i am now becoming like a huge billy eilish stan and the other song she sang was i think it was from the barbie movie anyway it was good too but this was i was shocked when i saw this and sent it to a couple friends i'm like this is an incredible version um so if you've got your uh christmas music up you might include that in there because it was just wonderful john what is in your leftovers Nothing as exciting as Billie Eilish. <laughs> Do you know who Billie Eilish is, John? Sure, sure. Okay, you know, okay. John is the, John is blue hair with and all that stuff, and then she <laughs> remade herself and lost a bunch of weight and made a big deal out of being homeschooled. We could ask our last a last guess about that. No a story we've been dealing with in our newscast: a car belonging to a missing man found over the weekend in Southern Camden County. They say the guy, Donald Irwin, had been missing since 2013, and the Camden County Sheriff didn't say a lot, but called it a major break in a decade-old missing persons case. And the guy, they got a tip about it. Yeah, how did they find it? There's- no, the guy, one of the guys who lived around the area was uh, a freelance photojournalist guy and did a lot of stuff with with drones. And huh. apparently they put a drone up and were able to spot the car in the pond. And the picture is up on, on local news outlets, and it I don't know what color the car was beforehand, but it's looking pretty green right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I mean, here in Mid Missouri, John, there's been a lot of like recent uh, breakthroughs in cold cases, and so this is a yeah, really interesting. Been. That's a good point. Uh, we've got what two murder cases where there's been kind of breakthroughs, and now this. So, um, so Missouri law enforcement here locally has really been 
uh, been on it. And hopefully um, we'll get some more updates on this case coming up. Um, we've also got, okay, so we've got Taylor Burks in tomorrow as a guest co-host. We will follow the instructions of Congressman Alford and talk to him about the Serve Act, something that he and Taylor have been working on together. So we're excited for that. And then uh, we've got the Gary Nolan show coming up next. Always great to hear from our favorite libertarian. You're not going to want to miss it.